Welcome to FitChix Chat, the weekly podcast dedicated to educate and empower women to take control of their lives, where we talk about fitness, nutrition, mindset, and wellness. Today's episode is brought to you by FitChix Academy, where we help heart-centered women who love health and fitness get certified as fitness and nutrition coaches and build amazing businesses. If you're ready to create the life, health, and career you love, please join us for any of our upcoming certifications that you can read more about at FitChixAcademy.com. Now let's dive into this week's episode of Fit Chicks Chat. Hello everyone and welcome to Fit Chicks Chat. My name is Amanda Quinn and on today's podcast I have Nicole McDonough. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I, I feel like every time someone corrects me ahead of time, I'm like, I always say it wrong again just because it's like a mental block, but got it. Um, so I have Nicole joining me today. Hi Nicole, how are you today? Good, thanks. Good. So Nicole is joining me because we are going to be talking about something that I think is so cool. I learned about this at our last mastermind where um, Nicole kind of shared with the entire group this really cool exercise to figure out what sort of, you know, potentially your number could be when it comes to the Enneagram. And I didn't really know at that time, to be honest, I like I had heard about it, but I wasn't really like aware of what it was or like, what it meant even. And so I got really excited about it. And I asked you at that point, I was like, can we do an interview about this? Because I really want to know some more. So thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all this with us. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Now, um, I'd love to get started by just having you kind of like share with our listeners a little bit more about you and how you sort of got involved with the Enneagram and why it became something that was important to you. Okay. Um, Well, I studied music and dance in my background. I sort of went to an arts institute uh, and then I got my master's in education. And in that program, I really focused a lot on leadership, team dynamics, and kind of how, whether it's in a school or a museum or a community arts center, how um, leadership and team dynamics work together. So obviously, anytime you talk about team dynamics, you need tools to understand how different we all are Mm -hmm. Uh, because there's no kind of one size fits all when it comes to communication and leadership and uh, stress management. So that's always been a passion of mine. I mean, I I love learning about learning and and learning differences (laughs) and learning styles and stuff like that. Um, But once I got my master's, then I stayed home and had three kids in three years. So my sort of (laughs) intellectual brain was on the back burner. And, um, and that was a real difficult time to kind of take care of myself and keep my brain stimulated. So the Enneagram kind of came at the perfect time because I never, I had a lot of energy um, intellectually to work with people and to work with leaders and to be a leader and to kind of help people understand each other. And um, I didn't really have an outlet for that tool when I had, you know, a one, two and three year old. <laughs> So, (laughs) uh, and I was exhausted. So Instagram kind of came at the perfect time when I was just, my youngest was in preschool and I was ready for my brain was just ready to latch on to something new and a new Mm -hmm. chapter. So a friend introduced it to me. I got every book about it out of the library as I could and would stay up late reading. And I was just like a sponge and, um, It just brought so much into light for me about who I was and why I found motherhood so stressful and who my spouse was and my parents and the things that trigger me. I mean, it brought so much clarity. So I kind of just ran with it and have been using it for about four or five years now and have helped 
I haven't come across a person that it hasn't helped. Like unless that person is really like, I'm good. I don't need a new tool. I've got it all figured out. Um, <laughs> and how, many of us, how many of us can raise our hand to that? Yeah. Like zero. <laughs> so I think it's like, it's so universally applicable, whether you're a leader in business, you're an entrepreneur, you're an education, you're a parent, um, you've been through trauma. I mean, it, I haven't found somebody that it hasn't given clarity to and kind of like a new lens to understand who they are and why they react and how to get out of the patterns that they don't like. Interesting. And so like when it comes to the Enneagram, can you explain what the process is to kind of like going through figuring out what number you are essentially and like why it's helpful to know what those numbers are? You kind of like talked about that right now a little bit, but can you kind of explain that a little bit more? Yeah, well, so some people get really caught up in the nine numbers. And I'd say one of the biggest objections I get is how can there only be nine different types of people, you know, Mm -hmm. and what I try to explain, putting the nine numbers aside for a minute is that the Enneagram is based on the three intelligence centers, which are thinking, feeling and doing, or our mind, our heart and our body. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of take those three intelligence centers, and then you combine it with are three ways of being, which are either we withdraw from people, which some of the numbers do, either we go toward people in a real like reciprocal relational way, which some of the numbers do, or we go um, against people or out in front of them in a more assertive leadership kind of way. So you kind of take the thinking, feeling and doing and the three ways of interacting with people and you combine those three and you get nine different numbers. So it's not arbitrary. It's really beautiful from like a geometry standpoint, if you think about the actual shape and where the nine comes from. Mm -hmm. So you can start with a test. Some people do. Um, Tests are honestly sometimes 70% wrong. So you can... The test gives you, like, I know you took yours. It, it gives yes. you a couple of numbers. Sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm definitely that. And other times it's like, that doesn't sound like me at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. When I did it, it was like, a, I was telling you offline, like, it gave me, I was a number two. And then with a three and an eight close behind. And I read through number two and I was like, yeah, like, it sounds like me in some ways, but it doesn't, I don't know if it makes, if it makes sense of like being like, that's predominantly who I am at all times, if that makes sense. And so, but you said something really interesting that sometimes that number that is the predominant number that the test spits out at you, it can be actually your stress number. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because I think that was really cool. Yeah. Well, so I think that's one of the things that sets the Enneagram apart because another objection I get is, oh, this is just another personality test. It's another thing to learn. It's so complicated. Um, but it's not just a personality test because as opposed to something like Myers-Briggs or DISC or something like that, which are fabulous and helpful and there is a place for them, they sort of say, this is who you are and it's fixed. Mm-hmm. So the Enneagram says, this is you know how you're born. This is the message you developed when you were a child that's made you one of these nine numbers, but there's movement. So you have your number, but then when you're stressed, you, have, you sort of take on the attributes of your stress number. And when you're really calm and healthy and not reactive, you take on attributes of your health number, your integration number. So there's so much movement and there's so many levels of health. It's, it's sort of the opposite of being put in a box. It's kind of like a path that gives you permission to move and to kind of grow out of the habits that you don't like about yourself instead of someone saying this is who you are and this is how you'll stay. 
Right. So you think that like with the Enneagram, it's really just like about showing you sort of main characteristics that kind of probably stand out as your personality traits. And then it allows for you to kind of like be objectively be able to see them to be able to say, okay, well, do I like that? Or do I not like that? And then allowing yourself to kind of change that because sometimes we don't really understand what those attributes are about ourselves. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. And it's really, I'd say the main difference is, you know, not depending on where you get your information, like there is definitely a place for Instagram feeds and profiles that give you kind of these quick Enneagram insights, but to really do the deep work that it's capable of doing, there are a lot of great tools out there. Um, And what it's based on is not so much our behavior, like how it plays out, like, oh, she's shy and he's outgoing. You know, those are our behaviors. The Enneagram is really about your motivation. So each of the nine numbers has a different motivation behind their behavior. Mm -hmm. So it's really helpful to know what that is. Because like, if you ever use the phrase like, oh, that's really triggering me or or something really gets you upset in a disproportionate way. It's Mm -hmm. like, get a certain email, somebody you know, gives a negative feedback on Facebook, like whatever the thing is, you try to do something with your child and it doesn't go well. Like we all have kind of situations that really get under our skin in a way that's like, whoa, where did that come from? Why is this bothering me so much? Right. And what the Enneagram does is like, it zooms into that thing because really, because it helps you identify your trigger and, and kind of what you're reacting to without even knowing it. Interesting. Um, I just had that experience where something like irritated me so much. And I was like, why does this make me so mad? And I have no idea what, I still don't know the answer to that. (laughs) 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 But I was like, ah, like it makes me crazy. And it's when people interrupt me, it, it makes me like, like when they interrupt in a way of like, just dismissive. Do you know what I mean? Like if someone has an idea or a thought or they're adding to a conversation, it's different. But when they're just very much like, what you're saying doesn't matter. And I'm just going to start talking over you. It makes me bananas. And I don't know if that's just like, everybody feels that way probably though. <laughs> just, I mean, well, what's interesting is you might think everyone, it bothers them to be interrupted, but somebody else that, that doesn't bother them at all. Something completely different really bothers them that might yeah. not think you at all. But if you kind of get down to the core of like who you are and, and it really comes down to like what threatens us, like, we all have different kind of foundational pieces of our identity. So yeah. different things threaten us. Some people um, really, their identity is based in being really competent. Some people, their identity is based in being connected to others. Some people, their identity is based in maintaining peace. So if you don't know what your identity, like what makes you feel safe, then you can't know why something bothers you. Interesting. I love that. (laughs) I'm so curious. Like, I mean, I just started kind of like diving into it and getting interested in it um, after you spoke about it. And then I did my test recently and everything else. But now I'm like, I have to learn more. Like it's, I get to that point where I'm like, now I need to know more. Cause I love, I love this type of work and I find it so fascinating to be able to kind of like to, the more you understand about yourself, the more that you can either change or adapt or grow, I believe. So you have to like be willing to do the work to get there before you can actually start making those changes or else the changes will just be superficial in my right. mind. You'll be kind of stuck in this crazy cycle of, Oh, I know that I do this. It bothers me that I do it, but how do I get off the merry ground and stop doing this thing that bothers me or this yeah. thing, you know, me and my husband are arguing about. Constantly. Yeah. So it really helps like uproot those habits. Um, 
but it, it definitely takes a bit of patience. Like if somebody wants a quick fix kind of tool, it's probably not the best tool for them because it, right. it takes a level of like really being honest with yourself about your strengths and weaknesses and being patient with the process of learning why the tool is valuable and not writing it off as soon as it gets uncomfortable. Right. I think that's kind of like therapy <laughs> in most ways. <laughs> it's like self, it's like self therapy. Cause I remember going through like all of my work that I did, like my meditation work and everything else for years that when it got really uncomfortable, the only thing I wanted to do was stop. I didn't want to go anymore. I would have to go see the person I was working with. And it was like an alternative therapist. And like, I just, I never wanted to go. Cause I was like, I knew how hard it was going to be. And I knew how like, awful it may or may not have felt afterwards right so I'm like I don't know if I want to do this work right now but I forced myself into it and it in the end was the best thing that I've ever done for myself so it's probably similar in that sense because once you start identifying things then it's like you can't turn your back on it right would you say that that's true absolutely and you really start to see it like it just brings so much clarity because you know, we all have things that are reactive, like we're not choosing. It's just yeah. we're reactive. Yeah. So um, it's hard to change those patterns. For sure. Or it's easy to blame others. You know, I can think with, with my kids, if they're triggering me in some way, and I'm not trying to be on top of it, I'm just reacting. I'm not being like, oh, okay, pause. Like this is triggering my sense of blank, making me feel threatened, unsafe disconnected, whatever my thing is I need um, to feel safe. So it's really, um, it's just the best. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> <laughs> now, what would you say, like, I know, cause you were saying like, there are the numbers and we kind of like went away from that, but like, in terms of the numbers, are there certain characteristics that maybe stand out for certain ones? Like if someone, and obviously this is not going to help anyone. So anyone listening right now, this is not going to be like, oh, then that's for sure me. Because this is not like these characteristics are not going to 100% be like the thing that identifies it. But is there anything in particular that would maybe stand out for some of those numbers that you could be like, yeah, so if like, for example, mine's a two. So are there certain things about a two that like really stand out in terms of like everybody that's a two kind of like usually has this or is that not accurate? Yeah, there are. I mean, if you get all the numbers of the same all the sevens in a room together, their behaviors might look different, but their core motivation and the, the way they feel safe in the world will be the same. Um, so I think the easiest way I like to break it down and kind of, you know, cause you could take an Enneagram 101 course and it would be like an eight hour full day workshop. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where people start who want to, you know, get certified and work, help other people figure out their number. But the easiest way, and I'm curious if you are too, I really want to dig into that because <laughs> usually if you, if it is your number, it's kind of an aha moment. Right. Like you read it and you're like, oh my gosh. And it's usually actually a little uncomfortable. Like, oh, that is me. I don't like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually tell people, you know, what bothers you the most because usually it's an invitation to kind of go toward it instead yeah. of be like, oh, that doesn't sound like me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll have to, we'll have to have a session and, and kind of help you get to the bottom and then you can share with your listeners. I will. Yeah, like, for sure. Cause, cause I'm wondering if maybe like the site that I was using wasn't like as detailed enough. Do you know what I mean? Cause the description was really vague. Like it was like a very like basic, it was, uh, I can't remember the site, but it was very like, it was just like a paragraph of like, and this is what okay. it means. And I was like, yeah. mm, and I'll give maybe. a couple of resources at the end. Okay, um, cool. 
different kinds of tests people can take if they want to. Awesome. Um, but you know, honestly, a lot of women are mistyped as twos because there's sort of a cultural expectation that we're helpful and we take care of everyone. Right. So it's pretty common for women to be mistyped as twos who are not twos. Interesting. Um, so that's part of it. But back to the nine numbers, if we go to the head, heart, and body uh, breakdown, there yeah. are three numbers that take information in with their heart. So they, they take in information with their feeling, and those are twos, threes, and fours. Okay. And then of those three numbers, they will look different from each other for different reasons. So twos are the relational heart. They go toward people. Threes are the assertive heart, so they are the leaders. They go out in front of people or against them in an assertive way. And fours are the withdrawing heart. So they take all that emotion, and the way they process it is they withdraw. <laughs> so knowing some of that basic foundational stuff can really help people narrow it down, at least to a couple. And that's just the heart triad. <laughs> you want me to talk a little bit more about the mind? Yeah, and if you yeah. want to mind. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I like live. This is my language, so I never know if I'm <laughs> I just, it makes so much sense to me. But <laughs> no, no, I think that's so cool. If you could explain the other two, that would be amazing. Yeah. So the second triad is the head triad, and these are people who take in information with thought and logic, and that's five, sixes, and sevens. Okay. And so those three numbers, they want security, and they take in information with thought and logic, but then the difference between the three will look different based on how they respond to people. So fives are in the head triad, but they withdraw with their logical information. Sixes are in the head triad, but they're relational and compliant. They go toward people with their information. Mm-hmm. And then sevens are the assertive leaders. They take information in with their brain and with thought and logic, but they go either out in front of or against. And against, it can sound n- negative, and so some people call it the aggressive triad, but I call it the assertive because it's not negative. It's just they're more the type of people who, if it, they're faced with a challenge, they're like, if you tell me I can't do it, then watch me do it. Right. So they, they kind of go toward the hard things. Okay. Um, so that's the head triad. So I said that the head triad wants security. The heart triad wants attention. Hmm. They're kind of looking for that. And okay. I always tell people which one of the hardest things to wrap your head around about the Enneagram is that all the information is neutral. None of it's good or bad. Right. So like stress isn't bad. It's just inevitable. Sometimes we're stressed, (laughs) sometimes we're not. It's not bad. Right. Um, So the same thing with like the heart triad, like twos, threes, and fours want attention. That's not good. It's not bad. It's just what makes them feel safe. Interesting. And then what about the body triad? And the body triad, that's the hardest one to understand because I think in Western culture, we're really disconnected from our bodies. Mm-hmm. I know, unless you've studied dance or you're a massage therapist or you, you know, do meditate or something somatic, like we're pretty disconnected from our bodily intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, so the body triad is also called the gut triad. It's like your gut instinct or your immediate sense. And that's eights, nines, and ones. Interesting. So they want autonomy or freedom. They don't want to be controlled by others or by emotion or by um, things that aren't in their control. And then each one responds differently. So eight is the, the gut triad or the body triad who is assertive, who goes against or out in front of people. The nine is the body triad withdrawing. 
and the one is the body triad uh, relational or compliant who goes toward people with their instincts. So interesting. So even by you describing that, and I told you like my number was a two, but the close ones behind that were three and eight. And even by just the way you described those, I'm like, I feel like eight sounds like it's more me. Yeah. <laughs> just talking when I teach a workshop, and I'm not surprised at all because when I teach a workshop, I actually don't even start with numbers because people yeah. get fixated on, they'll take a test, they'll be like, oh, well, the test said I'm a seven. So they'll just tune into what I'm saying about sevens and they'll tune everything else out. Yeah. And I'm like, this is wrong. Actually, do you feel like heart, head, or body? Do you feel like you're assertive, you're relational, mm-hmm. or you're withdrawing? Like, though, that gets you far closer to the real you than any you know, random tests on a yeah. website. No, for sure. Cause I mean, even just thinking like eight being someone who relates, like who relies on gut instinct and that, like, I feel like that makes a lot of sense to me because I make a lot of decisions on like how I feel about something and not necessarily always logical. Like it's usually like, I need to do this now. And there's a reason yeah. why. And like, I trust That's my crazy. instinct in such a huge way that, yeah, that just sounds Two still does sound like me too in some ways, but yeah, we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> you thought about that is, I know you're in the spotlight for a moment. No, that's cool. <laughs> the interesting thing about that is two and eight are connected by one of the stress and health arrows. So when eights are healthy, they take on some of the positive traits of the two or the health. Right. And when twos are stressed, they take on some of the low side of an eight. So, you're probably somewhere in there because you have an arrow to one, like you have access to both. Yeah. So it'll be that makes so much sense. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. Yeah. We definitely have to talk about this offline because I don't want my listener. Like we could talk about this probably for like a really long time. <laughs> and I'm like, I want you to share more information about like general and not just talk about me all day. <laughs> um, now I know that you were mentioning like, you know, with the Enneagram and you know, it's useful in so many ways, but how can somebody, can somebody use it if they want to change certain areas of their life? So even though like this is going to help them kind of identify stuff about themselves, but how can they use that then to help change potentially like their relationship or their career path, or even if it's just, you know, something to do with like friendships or whatever it is, like, how is this useful in that way? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, as a leader, I mean, we're all leaders in some way, whether you are a leader just in your family of origin, whether you are a leader in a professional sense, in a business sense or entrepreneur sense, or in your family at home. Um, I cannot tell you how many articles I read about how the most important trait of a leader is self-awareness. And it's like the thing that they don't teach you in business school, you know? They don't focus on some of those, what they call soft skills, which some could argue they're not soft. Um, They focus on so much more of the kind of left-brained, factual, strategic skills. But without that self-awareness piece, you, you can't fit yourself into the puzzle. You can't bring out the best in other people. You can't... Um, kind of bring your honest self to the table and lead with integrity and say, this is who I am, this is what I do well, and this is what's really hard for me, so you can all hold me accountable. Or, you know, it just having that self-awareness lens just bumps the notch up in every decision because you know what decisions you're prone to, what your weak spots are. Um, so I guess an example would be, you know, professionally, I work also a lot with my clients on core values and 
that is another area where we all kind of have values that we hold dear, but we might not have articulated them. Like we don't all have right. like a mission statement. So any tool that allows you to zoom in a little more and get clear on what those values are, are going to help things feel more aligned. For instance, I have a client who worked on Wall Street and he was very unhappy with his job and just feeling like he wasn't making a difference. And he figured out that one of his top core value in life was integrity. Right. And he didn't know that. And he didn't really uh, feel like that was being exemplified in his company and his daily work. And he was an Enneagram one and ones are really driven by um, like moral purity, wanting to do the right thing and wanting to improve society. Mm. And so it comes on Wall Street easy. may not be the best fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I could give hundreds of examples like that of people who are like, oh, well, no wonder I'm so unhappy or no wonder I'm so bored or no wonder I'm so overwhelmed mm-hmm. or no wonder this just isn't working uh, right. because there's a misalignment somewhere. Now, if you were looking at it to change your relationship in particular, so say it was a romantic relationship or even just a relationship with a parent or friend or whatnot, does the other person also have to have the same self-awareness, do you think? Or do you think just by you having it, you're able to step into that role of kind of changing the areas that you feel necessary? Yeah, it can definitely be a one-way tool. I mean, I know there are people out there who have said, it doesn't take two to improve a marriage. You can actually improve it starting today. Yes, by working on yourself with this one tool. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool because that's a different tune than we've been hearing for quite a while. I know who that is. Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's she's like amazing. But yeah. (laughs) Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a mother-daughter relationship, which obviously like all these relationships can get complicated as we get older and we all are going through the stressors of life. It could be parent-child, it could be a close friend. Um any level of self-awareness that you bring to that, it's going to help you understand what drains me and what fills me back up. And for each of the nine numbers, that's going to be different. So if you don't know what drains you and just makes you feel so depleted, how are you going to order that into your life? And if you don't know what fills you back up and just makes you feel like everything's aligned, you feel energized, you love what you're doing, you also can't build that into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it also really helps with boundary setting, um, because if you know your number and you know what triggers you or what makes you feel safe, you can bring that knowledge to any relationship and you can kind of understand where am I overreacting? Where do I need to set a boundary? Um, and the other person doesn't have to even know that you're doing that. True. No, it's so true because then they can, you can just be silently kind of doing the work yourself, right? And then it will just impact them even though they may not be doing the work. And it's, it's funny. I mean, I've seen obviously not using the Enneagram, but using just like even tools of like self-awareness myself and doing certain things. I've seen changes in people around me and my family mm-hmm. who have just shifted things just because of my actions and reactions to things, right? So it's interesting to see when you start implementing awareness, how other people start becoming a little bit more aware of themselves as well. Yeah. And you can certainly bring it in on a, I mean, it is, any tool can be misused. So I always say like, this is not a tool to type others. It's not a tool to stereotype. It's not a tool to say, oh, you're a this and they're always so blank. You know, they're, 
there are people who misuse it. And even at a uh, conference I spoke at recently, everyone kind of figured out their type when we were all standing in line for lunch. And there was just chatter of, oh, well, you're this and some eye rolling. And I was like, stop that. Like we can have, <laughs> that's a misuse of the tool to kind of put somebody in a box or, you know, put a label on them. It, it really is for self-awareness. So certainly you could say to your spouse, to your, you know, child, if they're old enough to your parent, like, Hey, I'm learning about myself. And one of the things I learned is what works for me is da, 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 da. So yeah. yes, and, you know, and so you can say, or one of the things that bothers me, or I actually really need to withdraw and not reply to our family's 30 group texts, like <laughs> my phone off and go to bed. It's not personal, you know? So it, it's kind of, it's like self-care, mm-hmm. which, which will positively impact every area of your life. I love that. Nicole, I feel like we could talk forever on this, but unfortunately we have to wrap this up. I'd love to have you back on though, after we dissect everything. (laughs) But um, in the meantime, can you please tell our listeners um, where they can find out more information about and how they can reach out to you if they're interested in finding out more about the Enneagram? Absolutely. Um, I always kind of say, the best, if you want to take a test, if that interests you, some people like to just read through the nine descriptions because they're, you can self-type if you're kind of feel like you're honest and aware enough about yourself, um, that that is just as accurate as a test to read through the descriptions. Mm-hmm. So two of my favorite websites are the Enneagram Institute.com. And that's an actual place in, an, I believe upstate New York, there's a $12 test they have live events. Everybody who works there is trained and certified, and it's just a really thorough, um, helpful website. You can also learn there about how different numbers interact with each other. So if you know you're an eight and your spouse is a four, you can read about what relationships between eights and fours are like and the, cool. and the positives and the trouble spots. So I, I use that feature a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want a more comprehensive test that takes more of a professional slant, if you're a leader, if you manage a team of people, there's a great website called Integrative Nine. And that test is more expensive. I think it's $120, but it takes a professional focus. And when you're done, you get like a 30 page write up about your strengths and weaknesses as a leader and in a professional setting. And it is amazing. Highly worth it. Um, the kind of quick like Enneagram for Dummies this is one of my favorite books, The Monitored Enneagram. I've led a lot of book groups on this for women who just want kind of a light, easy entry point. It doesn't get too deep into kind of those super ego messages of safety and stuff, but it's a good overview. It's got a homework step for each type. Um, And it's a good read. It's a quick read. And then if people want to go my website, I'm on Instagram, Nicole Diane McDonough. I'm on Facebook, Nicole McDonough coaching, and you can go to NicoleMcDonough.com. You can book a call with me. I help people type themselves like you you could come to me and say oh my test said I'm either a three a two or an eight we could spend 20 or 30 minutes and figure it out and get you really set up with a lot more clarity um, moving forward and yeah so I work with clients Mm one-on-one using that tool doing custom core values assessments using the Enneagram um Got a, kind of a lot of projects going on with stops <laughs> and people, but uh, there's so much to learn, and I just love helping people because it really it sometimes takes only 30 or 60 minutes to have this real aha moment that sets so many new things in motion um, that I just absolutely love doing it. 
That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. And for anyone who's listening, who does want to get in touch with Nicole, all of her links will be in our blog post as well as on the post here. So make sure that you check them out, reach out to her so that you can get connected to learn more about your potential number, or at least just help you kind of dive a little deeper into what it all means. Um, So Nicole, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and for your time today. I appreciate it so much. You're welcome. Loved it. All right. Have yourself an amazing day, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. Thank you for joining us this week. And remember, if you are ready to create the life, health, and career you love, Join us for the upcoming fitness and nutrition expert or our holistic nutrition weight loss expert certification programs. Download the brochures at fitchicksacademy.com.